Hi everyone, I'm Jenna Filipkowski, the head of research here at the Human Capital Institute. On this episode of Nine to Thrive HR, where we talked about developing strategic partnerships as an HR and L&D professional. I'm joined today in our Cincinnati studio with Tiffany Peppelman, who is a fellow IO psychologist. And welcome to Cincinnati again. I know you grew up here and um, traveled far to come visit us and your family. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be back in Ohio. Yeah. So I know I've seen you talk, you're visible in PSYOP, which is a society for industrial organizational psychology. And I see you present and talk about learning and development, but also how to be a strategic partner to the business. So we're going to focus on that topic today. Um, And I think just start with a big, broad question. So why is it important to the HR and L&D professional to be able to develop these effective strategic partnerships with the business? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, So I would say just starting off, when it comes to organizational psychologists, HR professionals, and L&D professionals, you know, we have a very unique placement within organizations where we often sit between the teams, the managers, and the leaders, and we get to see a lot. And within that space and that placement, um, we get to advise on best practices from our field. Um, We get to spot opportunities for the company. And it's within that sphere and that area that we can start to really um, drive change and provide um, recommendations to leaders. And I think for me and for a lot of other professionals out there, it comes down to um, you know having a voice and, and being able to have an influence as a strategic partner is critical. And you know, often I see a lot of companies um, when I'm out there and speaking and, and talking to different professionals. I hear, you know, companies are struggling to keep their own talent up to date on their own products. And that's just because the world we're in today is just rapidly changing and fast moving. And so how do we keep the workforce up to speed? And so when I think about it from like the learning and development lens, for instance, um, there's a lot of opportunities to create unique learning experiences or drive a culture of learning. And by doing that, we can ultimately give these companies that we work for um, a leading edge and innovation. And that starts to change the conversation of focusing on what we do within our field or within our area of expertise, but really how we can help the company um, be better and ultimately um, have an edge to the competition. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you know executives care about and leaders care about. So yeah. um, you know it starts to change the conversation when we're more thoughtful partners to the company. Yeah. And responding to the, the needs of the business in real time, which is Super quick now, nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, not being so reactionary. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. So if we just break that down, so what does a successful strategic partnership look like? So I definitely think this is different at every company. And there's often common traits that you could look for, though. And one of the most important traits, I believe, is that at the beginning of any initiative or big project or new product launch, um, we start to see these teams, learning development professionals, organizational psychologists, or HR, being brought into the conversation early and making sure that we are supporting defining what success looks like as opposed to reacting uh, to the tyranny of the urgent. And I think as we start to change the conversation to make it more of a thoughtful, forward-looking conversation and where we're advising, um, that's when it starts to change and and feel and look a lot different. Mm -hmm. So if we looked at someone who was, quote-unquote, being strategic, what are the behaviors that he or she is exhibiting? It's critical to make sure that you're challenging the status quo. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's difficult for some folks. Mm -hmm. And speaking up and really making sure when you spot an opportunity that's outside of your area of expertise, starting to really help a company think bigger, Mm -hmm. that's where the conversation can change. And ultimately, 
um, being able to understand what stakeholder goals are, um, understanding the business objectives and, and thinking holistically, that's uh, where we will be able to be more thoughtful partners to any any company that we work for. Mm-hmm. I think that speaking up thing is huge. Like it takes almost a lot of courage and confidence to be like, I have this direction or I feel like we should do it this way um, if it's not with the status quo or if it's what they've always done. So yeah. And it goes back to that kind of center that placement we have within organizations, we see a lot. Yeah. Um, and we get to, to help a lot of different teams and people and, and we see the processes and we're, we're in the thick of things. And so mm-hmm. it's those moments where even if it's not our job to own it after yeah. the fact, it's still being confident to say, this is what's best for the yeah. business. And, and that's really where um, you will start to become more embedded in these programs early mm-hmm. as opposed to later, again, reacting yeah. as opposed to being part of the strategic planning. Yeah. So in terms of owning it, so sometimes initiative is not owned by HR or L&D. They're just part of it, and they're mm-hmm. obviously working with many stakeholders. So I know you're an IO psychologist. You've studied the science of persuasion, the science of influence. So as an HR and L&D professional, talk to me about the science of getting stakeholders to be bought in to initiatives, and maybe that's managers or senior leaders or just the people, the employees themselves. So what does that look like? If I go back to Psychology 101, which yeah. you and I studied, um, what causes people to do what they do? And ultimately, it's motivation. And if we understand why people do what they do or what drives their motivations, then ultimately, we can be better partners with them in throughout the initiatives that we work on. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I always recommend whenever you're starting a new program is relationships. Yeah. Investing in, in that relationship Um, getting to know the person, who they are as people, not just the work they do. And then, you know, have a conversation. Ask them, you know, how do they like to be communicated with? Uh, What's their role in the program or the project or whatever you're working on? Um, What's the frequency in which they like to talk? Or, you know, what's the method of communication? And, you know, because it's, it's how you work together and that's going to make or break any kind of program that you're running or leading or being a part of. Um, which I think is absolutely critical within, uh, yeah, any initiative. Yeah, I could agree with that. And it's also challenging, too, with the number of stakeholders you may have, the time it takes to develop those relationships and getting that trust, getting that buy-in. It, it, it takes time, and it, it's kind of, it can be difficult. Yeah, but ultimately it's worth it. And tied to that, in a way, is so we see the robust explosion of, like, HR analytics, and people are really focused on using people data to make decisions. So I could see influencing people through relationships, but also influencing people through evidence and facts and like this is what's really happening in your organization. So talk to me about using measurement or HR analytics to gain support or executive sponsorship or buy-in for um, strategic programs in HR. Sure. I'd say, so data for data's sake doesn't work. And, you know, ultimately, I think it's important that we understand the business objectives and what data is going to allow us to prove or show, demonstrate that uh, we were successful in whatever endeavor we do at a company. Mm -hmm. And so it's critical to find the metrics that matter or to spot the opportunities to start collecting the metrics that matter. And ultimately, this could be, you know, revenue, uh, usage of tools, satisfaction, you name it. There's a lot of data out there, um, but it's being thoughtful about what you collect. And then, of course, remembering that it's not once you collect the data uh, and you do the assessment, it's done. It's a constant reassessing and um, and focusing on, on the data that matters. Yeah, uh, that's such an important point. Like, just collecting data for data's sake doesn't 
matter. <laughs> but what's the important metrics to the business is what you should be focused on. And they don't have to be super sophisticated, robust things. It could just be, like you said, revenue or engagement or satisfaction tied to these HR or L&D programs. And then on the flip side, so important is the communication yes. of the data. Um, I think we're really good at using jargon mm-hmm. um, and technical acronyms. So I know in L&D, uh, quite guilty sometimes of talking about learning objectives and modalities, which you know makes sense in certain contexts, but you know, when we go to communicate our results mm-hmm. and what we find through the data and our assessments, you know, making sure we say it in a way that anyone can understand and so that it's uh, clear what's in it for them, mm-hmm. whoever it is we're talking to, um, and it's timely yeah. in when we communicate it. And yeah. so the communication piece is equally just as important as the data you collect. Yeah, and I could see that almost being like a circle, like build the relationship, collect the data, communicate back to your relationship partner based on how they need that data presented um, based on their level of expertise or sophistication with analytics and going back to the stakeholders you know specifically what is the type of communication they're looking for you know sometimes you may just only have an email to get the point across and so how do you communicate it sometimes you might have one slide five minutes in a meeting yeah so how do you use that time effectively and sometimes it's an art and a science right um and you have to play around with the techniques but um know your stakeholders know what they're looking for get creative What's in it for them? You know, yeah. all those tactics. Yeah. It's all about them, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about them. Yeah, Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you for coming to our studio thank and you. speaking with our audience. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget, there's plenty of free HR content online at hci.org, which will help you on your path to become an HR strategic partner. Be sure to subscribe to today's podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. And you can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on the YouTube channel, HCI Talent. And if you're listening on iTunes, we'd love to get your ratings and reviews. It helps other professionals and like-minded people find similar content. And I'd like to close by saying thank you to the listeners for spending time with us. For all of HCI, thank you for listening.